Well, Greg, we are on to issue five of Exit Stage Left, the Snagglepuss Chronicles here on Funny Book Forensics. Number five already? Already, week after week. And uh, when we say funny book, that's what we mean to describe these books. These, uh, I, um, these ones are not that funny. Oh. So the show's I, not named well. Well, I mean, it is named well. I just think that, I mean, a lot of the content that we cover definitely isn't necessarily always that funny. But yes, these right. books definitely have uh, a lot more weight to them <laughs> than one. most. Huh? Dracula wasn't that funny. Is that what you're saying? That, that was hilarious. This this is a little more um, weighty. A little bit. Yeah, I think one of the beautiful things about uh, this series so far is it really illustrates uh, how far the visual and written medium can go. Oh, for sure. It can definitely bring you a story that can um, make you giggle at first and then bring you to your knees by number four. You know, it's interesting too. I think we were, we were talking about story ideas uh, a couple of weeks ago and I've probably run a billion story ideas by you. And I ran a story idea by you and you said that would go in a comic book or a movie. Just mm. un- you, you just blunt with me. And I was like, Oh, okay, well that must be a good one. And then you, you explained to me why, of course, but I, I thought it was, you know, this, this notion that when you have the right idea, the right universe that you're developing, you can paint the picture or film the picture, right? Yeah. It's better when you're presenting that picture to the audience. And then some things are better in as pros, right? Correct. What's your threshold uh, when you're writing a story before we get into this one? What's your threshold for choosing the one medium over the other? Like what are some of the things you consider? To answer your question, uh, when I'm thinking of the different types of story ideas that I have, if it's something that I want the reader to kind of create their own uh, idea of what I'm explaining to them and their own visualization, then I like to keep it as prose. That way they can go along with the journey that I'm creating, but also kind of create and world build with me and they can, they can visualize it and, and see it for themselves in their own, in their own mind's eye, if you will. Uh, if it's something that I really want to show them, then, uh, I definitely want to go with a, a comic or write a, uh, a treatment for a script, uh, for a film or a TV show so that it can be, put out there and either drawn or acted out in a, in a setting of some sort, because I have very specific ideas as to what it should look like and how it should look like. So, um, and, and for me, it's about one, one way is about giving someone else a little more creative control over, over the story with me. And one is about having all that creative control and and providing them something to see. Yeah, that makes a lot of sense. Um, and of course, you're much more experienced than I am. I think mine's more in speaking, right? And deciding to paint a story for somebody or paint a picture for somebody, right? Through the story mm-hmm. that way. Uh, but, you know, a lot of it too, I think in your your decision calculus um, in looking at this and let's steer it back toward this story now. Yeah. And looking at this cover, right? And we've got 
Snagglepuss and he's standing on a rug and he's looking at a noose as a shadow mm-hmm. uh, with, of course, his cigarette um, that he's had throughout the series. Um, and we're, you know, we're looking to infer this, right? And then the second cover is him in front of a, a committee hearing, which was kind of expected to happen at some point. Um, kind of looking at the cover, too. Uh, when you're doing a comic book medium or even a movie trailer, because you've certainly done both, right? Yeah. Um, how much do you give away on that cover? Uh, on the cover, on the covers of the books that I've worked on, uh, I try to give enough to get someone's interest, enough to grab them with an image that will make them want to look inside and to allow me to tell them the rest of the story. So enough to pique their interest. And that would be the same with the movie trailer too, not to give away the whole story, but enough of it to give someone that is interested enough in the proposed idea, the desire to go and watch the rest of the, the, the feature. Yeah. So just kind of thinking about that and it's interesting I, you know, the, all the old comics had like these crazy covers, like in somebody in this issue, somebody will die or something like that. Right. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And nobody ever did. It's, it's interesting. Uh, cause one of my favorite comics growing up, I, I probably got it when I was 14 or 15 cause it was a back issue. So I had, would have had to go find it. So when I say growing up, I was a little bit older, yeah. but it was a, I'm trying to remember the issue number. I should know, of course, but it was a Superboy and the Legion issue. And it said on this cover, somebody will die. One of these heroes <gasps> will die. And one of oh, those heroes no. did die and never came back. Oh. And, and that's kind of unheard of in comics. Cause usually they always kind of circle back at some point or the reborn or, you know, something. Right. And never came back. Um, they kind of did an analog of the character years, years later, uh, but never the exact character. And so analog, that was the word from the prior podcast that we were looking for way back when we were doing the 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 previous podcast. Analog, not amalgam. Amalgam is a good word and it, it fit. But analog. There we go. There you go. For <laughs> listeners who are following along with us. Analog. Yeah, it's just, and so thinking about this comic here, I think the cover tells us a lot, right? About what's coming up. And it doesn't look good. No, it doesn't. It's very dire looking. And that's that's the thing, though, too. It's like sometimes uh, you could you could be the it pays to advertise type person where, you know, it, you show, show a lot to, to get someone's interest or put a lot of stuff on there to flash it up with the words and text and stuff. Or you just have an image that just draws you in. Like, what is this? This is, I mean, both of these covers are very ominous, right? Uh, and make me as a reader who is reading these books, or even if I just pick, the, pick them up, either cover makes me want to look further in there because the the cover with the noose is like, what's going to happen? What is this? Why? What? What is this scene setting? What's taking place? What's going to take place? Um, and then at the, at the hearing, you want to know what's happening. What's he answering? What, what are the questions? 
I think that both covers too, they give us, they indicate, at least the main cover indicates a payoff to a subplot, right? And the secondary cover indicates a payoff to the main plot line. I don't know. I mean, they could, it could, it, it might not. It might be something else. That's the thing. I mean, that's that's yeah. how I'm looking at it as, as as someone's picking this up. I what what is happening? See, that's, that's interesting. What I when yeah, I was gonna say when I read it, I looked at the cover as a payoff. The, the, I only had the the original cover, not the alt cover. But that's I it. saw it as you know a storyline's getting paid off here in some way. I didn't gotcha. know how, but I knew something. they were gonna do something with me, right? Yeah. Well, we open up in December 1953. And we are in Moscow. <laughs> and we have Sergei. And uh, Sergei is coming in to talk to Khrushchev. Mm-hmm. And Sergei has the great uh, opportunity to look at the test of the hydrogen bomb that the Russians did. So, you know, gets the news and uh, Sergei tells Khrushchev, hey, we all live in a casino, comrade, <laughs> one bad gamble and we lose not only the chips on the table, but also the chips we'll have everywhere. And that was right after Khrushchev told Sergei that <laughs> the Americans every four years roll the dice on a new president. Uh, sooner or later, one of them, they will elect uh, some popular amateur and then we'll press our advantage. <laughs> Ooh. Uh, Ooh. <laughs> Ooh, yeah, Ooh. that one was a little rough. Yeah. Fortunately, during the Cold War, uh, that didn't happen maybe until Reagan, if you want to make that argument. Yeah. And basically, we'd spent uh, the Soviets out of existence at that point. Star Wars. Yeah, Star Wars, Space Force. Yeah. I don't know. Some historians would say differently, but it was it's interesting how that played out. Yeah. Definitely not saying Reagan was the most competent president by any means, though. But he did win in electoral landslides. Hey. There you go. There was definitely no dispute on those elections. He, he was a, he had movie star credibility. He did. It's a big difference. I guess TV star credibility. B grade oh, movie. I don't know. He was a B grade Western guy, wasn't he? I mean, well, you know, but he was in a comic book. <laughs> that's true. And he was comic book. <laughs> and he was ahead of the uh, Screen Actors Guild. There you go. No, he's a great well, talker. Well, anyway, uh, Sergey spells out his honest opinion to Khrushchev. Uh, he's going to recommend caution over the nuclear bomb testings. Uh, to Khrushchev, which uh, doesn't seem like the best idea. So Khrushchev mm -hmm. tells him a story. You know, he says, I was there during Stalin's purge. Uh, he signed some of the arrest warrants. And basically when Stalin said dance, you danced. And yeah. uh, Sergei didn't dance. And Sergei is off to the, uh, well, Sergei's off to. Uh, to the Huskow. Siberia. Yeah. Yeah. And now we go back to Washington, D.C. And back to Gigi. They are not happy. Gigi is not happy. Um, no. Not the man the she wanted to Oh, she did not want 
Huckleberry. Mm-mm. It is not a Merry Christmas for her. And uh, I will say Mark Russell Ryder, Mike Feehan, Penciler, uh, Parsons, and Marzan are the inkers. So, And another beautiful cover by Ben Caldwell. Yes, definitely. I like it when they put the credits right here for me to read. Makes my life easier. It does. So the goal was to get leverage on Snagglepuss. Uh, She says we have that now. And because they got his friend. So they go back to the Algonquin Hotel in New York and Gigi and Snagglepuss have another very friendly and kind meeting with some martinis. Yes, another friendly and kind meeting. And of course, she disingenuously says, I'm sorry about your friend. I never wanted to hurt anyone to get hurt. And uh, Snagglepuss says, you don't get to sell your soul and then say the devil made you do it. <laughs> there's That's a lot of good lines in line. this. yeah th- this one the one with sergey i mean there's just good lines they're good good stuff these examples of good writing and moving the story along yeah. now the story does slow down a little bit we get a couple of scenes with the two of them and you know she's selling the best she can it's not too late to help him trying to co-opt him mm-hmm. into the movement and then she starts in on the we're on a collision course with the Soviets. You know, these are agitators. We can't divide it. We need good, wholesome Americans. And they show the Rat Pack or a couple of them. Yep. And uh, of course, you know, they just need respect and they'll find one way or another to get him. And he'll be that example. And she threatens him again. So now Huckleberry or sorry, Snagglepuss heads home and Pablo and Lila are both there now as yep. a family, which is nice. It's nice. Comforting. And uh, he says he's not going to abandon his friend. And they're both against what he's doing. He's got to do what he's got to do, though, you know. He's, they've been yeah, friends he's going to have Huck come stay with them. So yeah. he's got to save his friend. And he goes over to get Huck. And there's all sorts of wonderful things written all over Huckleberry Hound's door. Fortunately, they're very hard to read. He goes in and Huckleberry's not looking real good. No, he's looking pretty, pretty defeated does have a lot of TV dinners in his freezer. He does. Uh, he doesn't look like he's got out of his chair for a few days, though. No. He's got stains on his shirt. And, and uh, for personal reasons, I'm going to let you cover the first next couple scenes. Next couple scenes? All right. So uh, it's kind of a flashback moment where uh, Huckleberry and... SP are talking about when uh, they were kids and uh, they, they go back and uh, they're talking about bloody face and he was the uh, Sunday school teacher and he was telling them about judgment day and, and the wrath of God and, you know, entry into heaven and all. And uh, you know how you couldn't have any, you know, any sins because they'd be read later and uh, be, cause they're all written down in a big book. And, you know, 
huckleberries like i've had some some bad bad writing gigs in my time but but that and uh sitting there thinking there you know i recall the strategy we came up with was to to commit so many little sins that the big ones would slip by unnoticed and uh you know they think back again when they're kids and flash back and bloody faces had some high blood pressure issues and uh looks like he's taking a turn for the worse yeah it doesn't look too good no not so good not so good and then uh continue to talk more about you know the the idea of the all-powerful god surrounding everybody and and uh, how how can you how can you see it that way? And, you know, Huckleberry's like, well, in a way, he was kind of right. The Book of Life, or no, you know, a man is an accumulation of his failures. And SP's like, you know, you sound like a balloon leaking despair, which is really, I mean, when you think about it, a hound is kind of like that yeah <laughs> they, they definitely have those faces right the pound yeah. puppy the pound puppy face the little hound dog face yeah and uh, uh, oh. go ahead i was gonna say and, and sp tells them that you know hey uh gather gather up your stuff and i'm we're, we'll we'll come by and lala and i'll pick you up tomorrow you know things are gonna get better that kind of trying to trying to reassure him that that it's not so bad yeah, and it's it's a interesting, you know, that that scene that scene there is played out for so many people, right? Mm-hmm. And uh I mean not the end scene, but the beginning scene, right? Yeah. And I don't care if it's God or Santa Claus or whatever. You know, don't use deities to scare your kids. Yeah. Tell them that someone's watching you and 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 going to make sure that you're good. And if you do something bad that, that they're going to know and that there's no way to right the wrongs or, or, you know, everything that you do is, is unfixable. <laughs> yeah. It's, it's the irredeemable nature of the story. That's just horrifying to people. Right. Right. And it, it doesn't do anything to scare people into good behavior. It just uh, makes them feel like Huckleberry when they, they perceivedly do something wrong. Right. According mm-hmm. to others. Or, or continue to hide all the other things, everything else and, and live in a, in a shamed manner. Right. Without others. Right. Cause you can't yeah. share things like that to others. Right. Yeah. Well, we get to Washington DC and uh Snagglepuss is, is kicked back as comfortably as he can. And, uh, Gigi setting up the hearing. And she's can't stressing uh, how much how important it is for him to cooperate. It's not one of his plays. He can't be a hero. He won't exit the stage left. Uh, and you know, he said, if you do this, if you go against me, your friend will go with you. And they have the paper feds that begin inquiry into pervert novelist. Because you know, going to a gay bar makes you a pervert, right? Of Sexual deviant. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yay, fifties. 
Yeah. Um, so he calls up uh, Lila and tells her uh, to tell Huck not to worry. And they're talking. And he says, I'm going to play ball. I'm going to fix everything. And she's got something to share with him. It is not good news. No. So Lila went to uh, pick up Huckleberry Hound. She couldn't get in. They opened the door and he's hanging from the ceiling. And if you haven't read this book from a reader's perspective, all you can see are his paws hanging in the air. Oh, sorry. This is, it just, it, it hurts this pass through too. You know, I was thinking to myself, like it would be, I would, I would be steeled for it, but there's no, there's no stealing for it. There's no, there's no ready. (laughs) Yeah, no, there's, I mean, I think that the way that he contrasts the, you know, it's interesting because that, the biblical part probably could have been told anywhere in the story. Right. Mm-hmm. But this is where you have a good writer and you have a good writer building the biblical part into the shame. And you have then Gigi shaming SP, right. With the life of his friend. Right. Yeah. Like you'll cooperate. And now he's now his best friend's dead. Yeah, and all he wants to do, all he wanted to do was to fix things and to to make it better. Right, and fix things for everybody, right? For Lila, yeah. for Pablo, for Squidly Diddly, mm-hmm. like who he hired on his staff, right? To yeah, to Huckleberry, and he couldn't, you know, save his best friend because he kept trying to fix things and work within the system, but the system, you know, basically overpowered him. Yeah. And so he tells Lila that he loves her and he's always truly loved her and wishes her goodbye. After going on a rant about, you know, if they're going to destroy me, everyone close to me, but I can't let that happen to you. And so he dismisses with a tear in his eye. And I'm sure if you're reading this, everybody had a tear in their eye on the previous page. Still do. (laughs) So now we get a flashback to Peter Potamus. <laughs> you got to have that, 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 that levity, right? Peter Potamus yeah. coming in with the laughs. <laughs> and he's there leading the crew. They know it's opening night and SP's not there. He tells of a story <laughs> where he ran out of a theater that was literally lighting on fire. Um, nobody would hire him. He said Snagglepuss was the only one that would hire him. So another person he fixed, right? He gave me my life back. And it's a shame because after tomorrow, I'll probably have to pretend like I've never heard of him. Anyway, let's put on a good show. And let those lines sink in. Yeah. Because he just tells this inspiring story about how this guy was the only person that stuck up for him. And he's completely, probably for his family, for his finances, for everything. Mm-hmm. He's going to abandon him. Yeah. And he's open with it. 
Just, now we get Snagglepuss walking up to Congress. Some pretty big stairs there. Yeah. Looks like uh, he's going to Philadelphia where the Rocky <laughs> statue is instead of yeah. Congress. Right. Well, he's but, going in for a fight. I mean, if Congress had that many stairs, they could have substantially showed slowed down the rioters, rioters, the insurrection people, insurrectionists. <laughs> Maybe that should be their next barrier. You can't carry a beer gut up those stairs. It could be <laughs> more hurdles. Oh, geez. Okay, so now they're talking about. Uh, his play, he's he's really disappointed. He's obviously missing his play. That's what they're asking about so far. Mm-hmm. And he's headed into the halls of Congress. So there he is. The second cover is paying off. So there's Snagglepuss uh, sitting there with the microphones in front of him, ready to speak. And they ask him to state his name. Standard stuff. And it's interesting because we get the flashback to Lillian mm-hmm. who warned him about this. And I, I believe wasn't her warning like the first time. Yeah. What was it? The first time I'm trying to remember the phrasing. I think the first time they'll ask you. Yeah. And then the, the second time, if you say no, then they'll, they'll destroy you. Right. So he's there and they start asking him the basic questions right we understand you've had misguided loyalties in the past are you a loyal american blah 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 and he says no he said let me explain something and then we get a flashback to the play and this time it's the a dog's life so it's the first play right mm-hmm. or no this is the act this is the new play right the that's how very Yep. Yeah. And that's his wife, right? His pregnant wife. He's leaving. Yeah. So now we're getting the flashback of Huckleberry's life in play form right behind him. And Snagglepuss says, in the end, any culture worth a damn is made by subversives because art is what tells the world it needs to change. Power merely redecorates it. And then, of course, the senator blusters, blah, 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 blah. And that's all I'm hearing when I'm reading the lines. Yeah. And uh, anyway, he says he gets insults him and Snagglepuss just keeps throwing it back in their faces and they go on a recess. And uh, Gigi runs out. You were supposed to be a friendly witness. You're signing your death warrant out there. Snagglepuss says, well, if you're going to set yourself on fire, make sure you use enough gasoline. You don't want to start that process over again. <laughs> Just another great line. It is. And uh, Gigi and uh, Huwak or the senators, I can't tell if it's a Senate or House hearing. I don't remember at this point. It doesn't really matter for the point of the story. Mm-hmm. Uh, Gigi takes over the questioning. And, and she asks him if he knows about the recent hydrogen bomb test in Kazakhstan. Which explains a lot, by the way, if you've watched mm. certain movies. Ah, uh, yeah. Yeah. Ah, uh, yeah. <laughs> and so the Soviets have this weapon of awesome terror because nobody denounced the communists who gave it to him. 
politics may seem a tawdry affair to you, Mr. Puss, but exposing disloyalty may be the only thing that keeps millions of Americans from ending up in a picture like this. <gasps> and clearly the threats, right? And attacking the shame, etc. Um, again, holding a deity, which in this case is the atomic bomb mm-hmm. over somebody that deity is watching you at all times. And if you're not perfect, if you're not a perfect American, this is what's going to happen. You're going to die in a fire. And I believe uh, Russell sets up the story too. It's really good because he's shown that Snagglepuss has been through these kind of threats in his life before and then made choices, right? To leave those threats behind or challenge them, right? Yeah. And I don't see why this would be any different here. It wouldn't be. <laughs> and of course, you know, in a line we never see these days, she says, so forgive us if we choose the lives of millions of Americans over a few showbiz radicals, you know, those radicals on the coast. Mm-hmm. Never heard and, that. And uh, <laughs> he strikes back, just going off. Uh, you offer people their lives the way a vegetarian sells ham. You don't know what it is to live, and you don't particularly care if we enjoy it either. And Snagglepuss goes through a variety of reasons why popular culture is important and notes and a picture of the Soviets marching missiles down the street without show business politics steps in to fill the void. And that's when the world goes to hell. Um, Now, I don't know if he was writing that about 2020 or 1953. But it all fits. But it all if, fits. If 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 it sits, it fits. Yeah. What if we just like replaced this military parade and took Khrushchev's head away and put it, the parades that didn't happen? <laughs> yeah. But they really wanted one. They did. Space Force. Space Force. Uh, so everybody's watching and Snagglepuss continues his speech and infuriates everybody and basically makes it so nobody can ask him any questions because he's tied up the whole committee, which is amazing. He's he's a he's a, he's good with his words. Well, he is a playwright. Yeah. And he gets to the point where he says, but it's not me who's on trial. It's you. <gasps> Ooh, he and flipped then, it on him. He pulled the reverse card from Uno. Yep. <laughs> but Gigi puts the other reverse card on top of it. Oh, no. Oh, no. And brings up Huckleberry Hound. And he says, he's Huckleberry Hound. She asks who he is. He's my best friend. And then it flashes back to the play. And we see Huckleberry in the play, noting that his wife's pregnant. I can't have my son and, you know, no one can. I can't have my son live with that shame. And are you aware that he's currently being charged with public indecency? So we see the flashback to Gigi and he says, I am. And we get the flashback between the play. Beautiful scenery here. Mm-hmm. Very. Where Snagglepuss in the play is asking Huckleberry, but do you need to hide from who you are? And of course, we know now he did. Yes. And they ask him about him and Snagglepuss drops the bomb on her. 
and basically says, well, you've already killed him. He committed suicide last night. She's taken a back finally in the story and says, I didn't, I never intended to, if he just kept it private, like, and then can I just add the line? Like I do. Right. (laughs) Because if you just behave like me, then everything's okay. And there's nothing to worry about. Yeah. No, sorry. The world doesn't work that way. Life isn't that life. Isn't that simple. It's not black and white. Like you want it to be Gigi. But it's easy to look at the world that way when you feel in in that position, right? Like, Mm -hmm. you know, well, you know, the world would be fine if you just did it my way. Like if you never told anybody, the world would be fine. I suppose, but then you wouldn't be free. Right. So at what point will you sacrifice your freedom, right, to to hold, you know, she is a dictator in a sense, though, right? And of course, oh, yeah. that's why McCarthyism was destroyed, right? Mm-hmm. Because it was a group of people basically, you know, scratching out why people couldn't live. And of course, you know, when you get organizations like the ACLU and things coming out of the era to fight against that, right? Mm-hmm. You know, the results were good, but the actions now in the moment, I don't know if they justify the results. Maybe we'll see a whole new turn. You know, that's hopefully what, what we can see in, in the future, you know, is growth. And of course, as Snagglepuss is life is unraveling at home. Now we finally see Pablo going to Cuba. So there I go messing up the story a couple episodes ago. It's Okay. You were you were just fast forwarding through the to the story for everyone. <laughs> That's how this works. Yeah. <laughs> Spoiler alert. Dan nope. ruins the story. <laughs> Those of you just tuning in, Pablo is now leaving. <laughs> Not before. And we see Huckleberry reconciling or trying not I should say not reconciling with his wife in the play. Um while Snagglepuss says in the background, to live in shame is to wear a mask. Eventually, we become the mask we've chosen. And in the play, Huckleberry says, I can't do it anymore. I'm going to New York as soon as I find my manuscript. And his wife says, you want to know where your manuscript is? I'll tell you, I consigned it to the flames. I burned it. <sighs> and he says, you murdered me. You murdered me. That's a hard panel too yeah especially since we know like he wrote it before huckleberry actually died right yeah and then of course we get uh papers being delivered to lila she gets a petition for divorce Because SP realizes he can't live by the terms that they've signed up for, right? Mm-hmm. And he says, conformity and shame destroy people. And a culture that doesn't fight back is useful, is as useful as an old calendar. Winner and leave the world alone. So during this gloriously brief sigh in between, we must live our lives the way we want to, whatever the consequences. That final final panel too is just a 
with the the two of them and Huckleberry in the middle. Right. Just a there's a lot. There's a lot there in this whole entire page. There's a lot. You're just realizing at what price, right, you know, comes the life he chose, but also like her face. Definitely, yeah. It's just like, the disdain for him. It's disdain too, but I almost so feel like, you know, he paints pain lines on her face too, right? Like she's scornful and, and it has disdain, but she's also in great pain because she's hiding herself, right? Oh yeah, but I mean it's disdain because she she knows that she can never have the life that that SP will have because SP embraces this embraces himself and embraces the things that he knows that that are true about himself and he's willing to put it all out there right now and she never will so she's got disdain for him yeah and that i mean that and i i, I can see that pain you know, there, there's definitely pain there too, where she's she's pained by that that probably nothingness inside. I think it's very interesting too. Um, obviously, we now have the climax of the story, right? So, you yeah. know, issue six will be falling action. Um, we know what happens. He eventually testifies. He confronts his accuser. He wins, I guess, but nobody really wins, right? Well, we'll find out when we when we do the final chapter, of course. Sure. <laughs> and uh, it's interesting how they leave it, though. I mean, we we get. Uh, I know it's interesting because it's like usually in a climax of a story, you re- resolve the conflict, right? And I, I feel like here, like the conflict resolves because, you know, we get to the hearing, right? And that's what they've been building up to for five issues. Yeah. And so the hearing happens, the conflict resolves. Um, she holds no power over him, so to speak, anymore, right? As a person. Mm-hmm. But it's, it's still, I still leave the end of the story feeling like it's unresolved. Well, I think from a writer's perspective and even from a, from a, a reader slash viewer in any, when you're, when you're in any format, if you're reading something, if it's prose or if it's comics, graphic novels, or if you're watching a, a, a TV show or a film, and if whatever the narrative is that you're following, if it leaves you with uh, something that's either unfulfilled or makes you think and, and, and gives you some sort of feeling uh, good or bad, uh, and it gives you that um, that that thought nugget. Then you're and you're continually churning it over, like, but 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 um, that means that the writer and the creative team did their job. They did a good job because they they made you continue to think about it, and they made you engage enough to and and care enough about the story and the characters and everything that's going on so much that you're wanting a more of an explanation more of an ending more of more of something else um i I was having a conversation with my wife about uh, a film that we both love and hate 
and uh, uh, about about Club Brave culture groove. And it's one of those movies that you watch it and you are the buildup from the beginning to the end is one of those things where you you're following all these different characters and all their different through lines and you are you're you're engaged enough to care about all these different things and i mean it's a spoiler yeah but if you haven't seen this movie it's been out for like almost 20 years so i apologize but by the end of it um you're you're frustrated you're you're happy you're you're angry and you're you're enthusiastic because of all the different things that happen to the different characters that you've met along the way. And I think that it, it's one of those, those things that they did a good job in. And even though it's not, it's just probably not the best movie out there, but it's, it's a, it's a really good story and they did a great job in, in creating a, an hour and a half and putting it all into an hour and a half that, that gets you, in that place and, you know, going and, and, and being part of that culture for uh, a chunk of my life and knowing people that were, that were those people, I, I could empathize a lot and, and get frustrated and, or be happy enough to, by the time I watched it again, you know, like 20 years later removed and and be, Oh man, (laughs) you know, so I, I think like with this story, um, they've done such a great job and, and we're not even finished yet, but they've done such a great job with the buildup to get us to this point that, you know, you know where it's going. And like you said, it's going to be a gradual letdown or not a gradual letdown, but a gradual come down through the rest of the arc. But you're, you're like, okay, this, this, um, this whole entire thing is built up to this moment and where, where does it go from here? Yeah. I, I I don't really have anything to, to add to that except to say the one piece I'll add is that I think good writing, you feel like you're living with the characters and when they go away, you're, you're like missing something, right? Mm Mm-hmm. And I definitely feel that at the end of the story here that I've got another issue to go. And, but now I know I'm losing the characters, right? Like I don't get them anymore. Yeah. And that to me, you know, is the worst part of good writing and the best part, right? Because that means I'm into it. But at the same time, I know at the end of the story, I'm going to be, I'm going to have a little letdown because I'm going to miss, I want the characters back, right? I want them to be successful and happy. And I know I'm not going to get that. Um, so it'll be interesting. And of course we'll see, they could end up successful and happy. Everything could end up fine. Right. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, it's, it's, it's like if you have a good meal and you, you make enough for leftovers and you try to stretch those leftovers out over a couple of days, cause you know, once they're gone, they're gone. And when you're reading this story, once you hit that fourth book and you, you know that you're, you're only two more books left and you read this book, you're like, Oh no, you know, I want that. I want that meal to last. So yeah, yeah you're, you're right. It's definitely, it, it keeps you hungry for it. And, and afterwards you're still hungry for these characters, but 
let's not let everybody feel so bad about that because we still have one more episode to go. We do have one more episode to go. So we will finish up this one here. So we just finished up issue five of Exit Stage Left, the Snaggle Post Chronicles. And this is Funny Book Forensics. And that puts a wrap on this one. And we'll see you next week for issue six.